Hello, and welcome to the Untitled Female Driven Podcast. We are three film and television writers who are here to talk about how to make it as professional writers in the entertainment industry. This podcast covers what we wish we'd known when we were getting started, so you all can learn the easy way, what we learned the hard way. I'm Erica Schreiber. I mostly write features. I'm Jess Cho. I mostly write for television. And I'm Hannah Rosner. I also mostly write for television. Today, we're going to talk about the first 10 pages, as in the first 10 pages of your movie or your pilot, and why they're so important and how to write a great attention-grabbing first 10 pages of your script. Like the purpose of the first 10 pages is that you'll read the next 10 pages and so on and so forth. That really does answer the question, why is the first (laughs) 10 pages of your script so important? It's like, it's pretty obvious, but it's like you said, Erica, you want to hook your reader because whoever your reader is, they have a million things they'd probably rather do than read a script. So if you don't grab their attention in the first 10 pages, they're probably not going to read the whole thing unless they have to and it's their job. Whoever's reading the script probably has a stack of scripts that they need to read. And after they're reading, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 scripts a day, then you you have to do something, especially in the first 10 pages, that will make yours stand out. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean something incredibly fucking crazy has to happen because that may not work with the family drama you're writing. So like you can write a family drama and like we'll, we'll talk about Jurassic Park or The Matrix or whatever, but like you don't need dinosaurs eating people to get people's attention in the first 10 pages. There's a lot of different ways to do it. Yes. But dinosaurs in the first 10 pages helps a lot. I wish more scripts <laughs> had dinosaurs in them. Exactly. This is a mistake I used to make early in my career of sort of thinking, well, you know, once they get to the good stuff, they'll, they'll want to keep reading. Like I, I felt like the first, I didn't realize how much the first 10 pages mattered. You know, I just sort of be like, well, they're going to be drawn in by the writing and the style. And that might be true, but things have to happen in your first 10 pages. Otherwise they're going to be like, why am I reading this? Let's talk about what does need to happen in the first 10 pages and why it's so hard to write the first 10 pages. We've already discussed the hook, right? The thing that hooks right. the reader. And who we need to hook, which is reps or if you're entering a fellowship or a contest or, you know, for staffing, you know, for, for getting a job, basically for anyone who's reading, whose, whose job is reading a lot of scripts, how do you make your stand out in those first 10 pages? That's the hurdle. But also the first 10 pages needs to do a lot of just work on the technical level. You have to introduce your main character, the premise, the world, the main character's goal. We have to, in the first 10 pages, hopefully root for the main character and we ideally. Have to figure out what, ideally, yes. And uh, we also have to figure out what their conflict is. And it's also, I mean, it's about the main character, but it's also, you know, really firmly establishing the the premise and stakes of your movie. We can start wherever we want, but the one I've been thinking about the most is the movie Jurassic Park, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I was reading the first 10 pages of Jurassic Park, which is super fun. I highly recommend. But that movie starts with a classic horror movie uh, opening because the first thing that happens is that you don't know what you're looking at, but a dinosaur is being put into a crate and it's being moved and something goes wrong. And a man is like dragged to his death as all these people try to to stop it. Right. And it firmly establishes the theme of like man versus nature we shouldn't have fucked with. So like you start there with that scare and then you move immediately into the kind of the quandary or premise of the movie, which is the guy who is creating Jurassic Park, he needs in order to open the park and appease the lawyers and the insurance people, he needs an expert, namely a man named Alan Grant, to sign off that his park is safe and good to go, right? So that takes us immediately into meeting Alan Grant 
And what we mean, what we find out immediately about him is one, he's a very dedicated paleontologist who needs money. And two, man, does he hate children. Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he tells that story to this little boy about how you, he would, you know, specifically get eaten by a velociraptor. And there we go. Right. So the setup is for the ask, the yes. And the danger, right? All of that is in the first 10 pages. We don't meet, you know, all the main characters. We don't actually see a real dinosaur. We, we just, that's what we need. And I think you point out two things that I think are super important to have in your first 10 pages. One is your main character's flaw. So Alan Grant's flaw, even though it's not necessarily a flaw to hate kids. I mean, come on. I hope it's not. We all hate kids. Am I right? <laughs> but Spoken it, by but, three childless women. Right? <laughs> but it is the, it's, it's the thing that he needs to overcome and probably will overcome over the course of his journey, right? He ends up, we know from seeing the movie many times, you have all watched it. And if this is a spoiler, you should be very ashamed of yourselves. He is going to end up being the unlikely caretaker of and protector of these two children and over the course of the movie sort of decides maybe he does want to be a family man after all yeah, so he gets over himself yeah so i think of the first 10 pages as the before it's like a before snapshot of your main character what's their conflict as usual what's going on in their life we're establishing the world that they live in and there's traits about the character that we're establishing in the first 10 pages that over the course of the movie they're going to have to overcome in order to win or achieve their goal, which speaking of goal, we probably want to know that I think in, in pilots versus features, I'd say that the main character's goal is it's, it's a, it's a different goalpost, <laughs> pardon the pun, right? I think 10 pages in, you probably want your inciting incident to happen, which is what does, what does the character want? they're activated, they're going after that thing that they want. Whereas in a feature, right, Erica, it's a little, it can be a little later. Like, yeah, structurally, it's a little, a little different, right? 15 is usually your turning point for a movie. And it might be that you establish your character wants one thing in the first 15 pages. And then on page 15, it's like, oh, shit, this character actually wants something totally different. Like for Alan Grant, he just wants to dig for his dinosaurs, right? And then on page 15, when John Hammond shows up with his offer, what he wants to do is John Hammond's offer, which will get him all the money he needs to to continue digging for dinosaurs, right? So that's like a turning point where he was just going about his life, scaring children, finding bones. <laughs> and now it's like, I'm going to do this thing. I want to go see Jurassic Park. But yeah, I feel like we have more time to get there. Even though like the world of a TV show is bigger, the world of a pilot is smaller, right? You have... If you're writing a drama, you have, you know, like, let's say 45 to 60 pages. And for a feature, you've got like 90 to 120. Let's talk about a TV one then. I think a good example of a pilot with a really great first 10 pages is Killing Eve and particularly the first scene. I mean, the, the thing about your first 10 is it's a, it's grabbing the reader's attention f to have them want to read the next 50 pages to 110 pages. But the first page is even more important because that's when you're hooking us for the first 10. And if you get us for the first 10, you're probably going to get us for the rest of the script. The first page of Killing Eve, the very first scene, is Villanelle sitting in a ice cream shop and she's trying to smile at a little girl. But what we'll later learn is she's a psychopath and she doesn't actually understand human emotions the way most of us do. So she is really creepily smiling at this girl and this girl is kind of freaked out and doesn't smile back, just goes back to her ice cream, but she smiles at someone else instead. And when Villanelle sees the way that the, the waiter is smiling at the little girl, 
she's like, I'm going to try that instead and gives a more genuine smile. And that's such a good character moment because we see that we understand from this first page, this is not a character we've seen on television before. She has almost no empathy. She's totally a psychopath. Um, but she is very good at reading people and pretending to be just like them. And then the scene ends with her walking by the little girl and knocking the little girl's ice cream into her lap and making the girl cry. I love that. Yeah. That's like exactly what you need to know about this character. Right. And it's great because the premise, it's like, okay, we've seen shows about, you know, assassins versus MI6 agents before we've, we've been in this world before, but what made killing Eve so unique is the two main characters. It's Villanelle and Eve and their cat and mouse dynamic, which we get into later in the pilot, but the first 10 pages establish Villanelle as our villain slash hero, because we're weirdly rooting for her. We kind of oh, yes. didn't, right? <laughs> she's fashionable, she's pretty, and she's funny. And, and she, she just, hates children. And just, she hates children, yeah, just like Alan Grant. And us. <laughs> like, who doesn't want to just spill that little girl's ice cream and see what happens? Right. After that hook, I think, of the first page that really hooks you into who Villanelle is, we then sort of launch the rest of the story of the pilot with We Meet. Eve, she wakes up next to her husband. She has a pretty routine life and she's a little, she's running a little late. So we get the sense that she's sort of frazzled. She's sort of, her life is a little bit stagnant, like her personal life. Um, but she is good at her job. And we see that even though she's not necessarily taken seriously. In fact, I think she's an associate to uh, an agent. She's not an actual MI5 agent herself. When she's in a meeting, she is sort of the only one who realizes that this assassin that they're all looking for could be a woman. And once she suggests that, okay, there's a couple of laughs, you know, some chuckles, because you see that people don't take her seriously. But when she explains why she thinks it's a woman, we realize, okay, this woman actually this woman being Eve, she knows what she's doing. She's good at her job. The premise of the show is really introduced in this first 10 pages. By page 10, we know that Eve, her goal is to find this assassin and that she has this weird respect for her. There's a, there's a great moment. Um, I think it comes around page five of the script where everyone is talking about, you know, this assassin came out of nowhere, somehow managed to slice this guy's femoral artery. He bled all over the street and everyone's like horrified. And Eve just goes, nice. Like, we're like, wait a minute, she's impressed. And she realizes that she, she put her foot in her mouth. But again, we're now, we've now established these two characters without necessarily having seen a murder yet. We haven't actually gotten to that. We're about to, I think by page 12 or 15, she kills somebody. We're establishing that this is going to be a show about two very unconventional women that um, are going to be entwined in each other's orbit for, you know, what's going to be four seasons worth of gripping television. I am going to do another pilot. One of the best first 10 pages of a pilot I've seen has been Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. yes. It's pretty iconic at this point, I think, which is, you know, you open and you're just sort of in the middle of the desert. And then suddenly you just see this RV careening across the desert. And you go into the RV and there are a couple of dead bodies in the back and a bunch of chemical equipment and two guys in the front with gas masks. And one of the guys in the gas mask is in his underwear. And so at this point, when you're seeing this tableau, you're just asking yourself, what the actual fuck? And then, you know, Walter White gets out. And he makes that recording of himself um, saying, this is not an admission of guilt, but I just want to, to let my family know I love them. And I and you were always in my mind. Basically, I did everything that happened, everything you're going to hear about me, I did for you. And then he like goes off with a gun without trousers. 
And he's just like waiting for the sirens that are approaching. And at that point, we cut to one month earlier. It's an interesting device, I think, that a lot of great pilots have used. I think Alias has done the same thing, which is you go to the, the most climactic moment of the story, the thing where everything is going wrong, the thing of like this most action-packed where your main character, who you don't really know yet, is their life is in danger. The audience gets to see how deep in the shit that your main character is. And then just as a truly bad thing is going to happen to them, then the script flashes backwards to a month, to a day, to whatever. And then the story introduces the main character, the world, the premise. And I am a big fan of this particular device because it's a really interesting way of showing the audience, like, if you stick with this story, this is what's going to come. All the questions you have will be answered if you stick with us. It buys you time in a really good way. Yes, exactly. Just to add to that, I, I think what you said is really uh, that kind of hits the nail on the head. You're establishing a question and that's what's hooking the reader is this question. It's two questions. It's one, how did Walter White get here? Why? <laughs> how did he get to uh, behind the wheel of a Winnebago in his underwear and a gas mask? And then the other thing it asks is, okay, we want to know how he got into it. And we also want to know how he's going to get out of this, right? Silent sirens are coming. He's holding a gun. Uh, how is he going to get out of this situation? <laughs> and we need to know what is going to happen next. And then that buys us the time to meet Walter White and his world as it was, right? Like before everything changed, you know, here is this man who feels emasculated in a lot of, you know, parts of his life and his marriage and his job. And it really expands upon the question, right? Like it goes from how did, how did this random person we don't know get here to how did this person get there? And so if you look at your first 10 pages, it's like the chance to ask not just one question, but two questions or three questions that will really keep people's interest. The end of the pilot will ask the question of like, what's going to become of Walter White? who is apparently breaking bad, right? So your pilot is a question. And then the questions within that need to stack up and line up in a way that makes that that much larger question really compelling. The first 10 pages is basically, a it's like a promise that you make to your reader or to your audience. It's sort of like, this is what you can expect when you watch this show, right? Whether you're establishing genre, tone, pace, any of those things. It's, it's almost like a, an agreement you have with whoever your audience is going to be. And then you just have to follow through with that agreement. That is sort of what the first 10 accomplishes. And if, I think if you fail to deliver on your premise, you're going to really disappoint people. So it's not enough just to have a really attention grabby hook, a really um, compelling first 10 pages if you're not going to deliver on uh, what that is later. And I feel like I've, I've seen that a few times recently on TV when I'm watching a pilot. I'm like, oh, cool. This is going to be a murder mystery. And then... There's no, it's not really, it's not really that it's like, I'm like, I don't actually know what the mystery is. What am I supposed to be wondering? I don't know until minute 40 or something, what the mystery of the episode is. There's one more I wanted to talk about because it's, it's a little different than the things that we're kind of discussing, which is Knives Out, which is one of my favorite movies the last few years. And what the first 10 pages do and what the first 10 pages don't do is really interesting to me. Right. So like. It starts off on the housekeeper discovering that Harlan is dead, right? That this this guy, we don't know who he is. We know his house is cool and we know he has a housekeeper and we know he's like 
super dead, like blood everywhere, dead. And then rather than, you know, like, how did we get here? It moves forward, right? We're suddenly a week later. And that's when we meet Marta, who is kind of the co-main character here, right? Like, it's her and it's Benoit Blanc. Marta, we, we get it. Her life is hard. Her family loves her. And she loved the guy who died, right? That's what we learn about her. And when she comes to the house, we immediately see this very special dynamic of like the police are kind of demeaning towards her. And Meg, who's part of this big family that we're going to get to know, like stands up for her and is like, no, this relationship was special, right? Between Marta and, and you know, she was the nurse to Harlan, right? So we're establishing the relationships. Uh, and the first thing we're seeing of this family is that they stand up for her, right? Which then is, a th is something that we are going to slowly tear down throughout the movie. We establish the investigation that there was a party the night that Harlan died. And we establish only that Benoit Blanc is watching what's happening. He doesn't actually have a line until page 13. So all we know is he's like this, this weird dude in a linen suit who's occasionally playing a piano key and none of the people know who he is. But I think the most important thing that is established in these 10 pages is the very unique tone of the movie. And it comes not necessarily in the descriptions, though some of the descriptions are very clever, but in the dialogue and in the very choppy uh, kind of editing, right, of those interviews of this family. Like basically, Ryan Johnson is getting us to know this really insane family really, really fast. And he's using tone to do it, which I think is really cool and interesting. Because besides finding a dead body, nothing else really happens in those first 10 pages. They're literally just characters rehashing something that we don't know about. And that should be boring, or, or but because of the way that the tone is unique and, and so well-crafted, it's not. And I wanted to bring that up just because, like, again, you don't need a dinosaur ripping someone apart, you know, something like that in order to create this in these compelling first 10 pages that will keep your reader going. When you start with a dead body, immediately there's the mystery posed. How did this guy die? Right. But then, as you so rightfully pointed out, Erica, you don't really it's the rest of it's just sort of catching up of like who these people are, what this world is. But the thing I love about that movie, especially and this is more of a direction thing, maybe, but how they just have those quick shots of the house itself, because the house is a character in that movie. The house is the, is the silent character throughout that, um, the whole film. And it's such a weird house. Yeah. Just all the weird little details, all those knives. Just <laughs> so <strange>. many knives. <laughs> so many knives. The colors, everything is so specific to this house. You can't, you kind of feel like you're in, you've sort of entered this alternate dimension. And I feel like that setting did such a good job of adding a sense of mystery, adding that hook, that the tone that you sort of want, which is, this is some weird shit. You're going to want to stay for this. Yeah. And it is in the direction, but it is also in the script in really succinct ways, which is really cool. Like the way that, that he describes both the people and, you know, like the way that the house looks to a certain degree, like... When you're writing a script that you know you're going to direct, you're kind of just like making mental notes for yourself. He describes the manner as like gothic with a theme of antique games, arcane puzzles, and decorative weapons. Like that's mm -hmm. interesting, right? Mm -hmm. 
So should we talk about what not to do? Yeah, we probably should talk about what not to do. Well, real, real quick, one more thing I want to add um, to the what you should do, which I know it seems like it should go without saying, but I actually have seen this mistake made in a lot of scripts where the genre is not clearly established in the first 10 pages. I know that seems wild, but it happens a lot where you're not sure, wait, okay, is this is this a comedy? Because there hasn't been a joke. And then something kind of happens out of nowhere, like on page 10, that is supposed to be funny and in inherently in itself is funny. But because nothing funny has happened up until after page 10, you're like, wait, this is a comedy now? Like if you're writing a comedy, there has to be a joke on page one. If you're writing a horror movie, there has to be a jump scare within the first 10 minutes. And I wanted to talk about the thing. I actually was, I was talking to my husband about this episode and I was like, yeah, I need, I need to come up with some ideas for what's a great opening scene of a movie. And he was like, oh, the thing. And instantly, and he's not really a movie guy, but I was like, oh my God, you're right. That is a brilliant opening scene because it establishes the mystery and it's, it's so creepy and it is, it, it perfectly suits the tone of this horror movie where it's also kind of an action movie, but, um, you know, you've got, Kurt Russell and his buddies showing up in, uh, in Antarctica and these, I think they're Russian or German, I forget, are chasing a dog in a helicopter and shooting a dog. And we're like, what are you guys doing? Why are you shooting How at that dog? You? Who who would do that? <laughs> we, we, we hate children, but we love dogs. Do not do this to a dog. But something is, something is clearly going on because these people are so intent on murdering this dog that it, it launches this mystery of why were they doing that? What is happening? And then throughout the rest of the movie, you understand it, it all kind of makes sense now. But I wanted to point that out because it establishes the horror and this just slow burn creeping mystery and sense of suspense too of who among us is that's inherent in the theme of the movie. The, like the theme is, you know, do you really know somebody because anybody among you could be the next sus they could thing. be sus yeah exactly <laughs> so so yeah if you're gonna have a uh, establish your genre in your first 10 pages if it's an action adventure movie have a fun action set piece you know if it's a heist movie please for the love of god start with some sort of sense of something being stolen or or something just to get us into just to tell us what we're in for for the rest of the movie or the show there's there's certain movies that have absolutely or and tv shows i'm sure that have like absolutely broken this uh from dust till dawn is my favorite hilarious example of like something that absolutely should not work because like the first i think hour is like a heist taking hostages movie and then the second hour is a vampire horror movie right <laughs> There are exceptions. So, there are exceptions. And then for the the listeners who are like, oh, well, you know, there's exceptions like, yes, but we're just trying to help you. you know? Yeah, you can break the rules. You can break the rules once you've successfully followed the rules anyway. But yes, not what not to do. What there's, not to do. There's a lot of things not to do. As much as we're talking about how your first 10 pages establishing is the key word. You're establishing the world, the tone, the genre, the main character, the conflict, you're establishing all these things. So you're like, wait, how do I get all of this into 10 pages? Well, you still have to show it. You can't just tell us. And there's, again, there's exceptions to this. Star Wars opens with uh, scrolling <laughs> credits of, uh, you know, this is what's happening in the galaxy. Well, they, they got away with it, I think, at first because of the novelty of it, of being thrust in the middle of this world that you don't understand and you have to do reading. Like everyone was just like, sorry, what? And so everyone read it, right? And then 
it became what you expected out of a Star Wars movie. Exactly. And I think I, I whenever I see a movie and generally sci-fi movies or genre movies, wherever there's significant amount of world building and mythology, they'll just sort of use text or or a news a news clip. Like you see this all the time. Someone's, you know, going about their daily life and then they are watching the news and all this exposition is filled in. So it's like really try to avoid those on the nose expo dumps uh, where you're just telling the audience what they need to know unless it's, and you can do that as long as they're, because it is an economical way to establish, you know, all the information that your audience needs to know about the world in the first 10 pages, if you have a lot of other stuff to get through, but it still helps to, if you're going to do that, have something interesting happening while you're getting this expo dump. Giving us something to look at while we're receiving the information, it helps engage our brains more rather than just reading a scroll or if there's just voiceover over black it's that's a that's a difficult sell be aware that if you write something in your first 10 pages especially of one character being like so you know how you're my favorite brother and you've taken care (laughs) of me since granny died back in 82 in the big flood like you can do that but also be aware that if you do something like that the person reading it is going to roll their eyes and then not go any further because they know what they're in for for the rest of that script. If you're spoon-feeding them the information in a way that feels really obvious, like who wants to sign up for more of that? So challenge yourself to really try, okay, is there something else I can do? Like I need the audience to know that these two are brother and sister, but I please don't write, "Hey bro." I don't know about you guys, I hate that when someone's like, "Hey bro," "Hey sis." No actual siblings I know call each other bro or sis. So I'm like, "How else can you tell us, you know, uh, did you pick up mom's medication? Like, why can't you do it? This is just like the time you stole my teddy bear when we were six. Like, no, it's not. You know, like whatever it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> just to be con- contrary, my sister and I totally call each other sister. Like, really? When we oh, call, that's cute. it's like our little inside joke, though. Like, that is not a thing that that people generally do. But it'd be like, hello, sister. Hello, sister. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, and the exact opposite of that in terms of what not to do is like we talk about raising questions, right? But like there are only so many questions that the human brain can comfortably handle in those first 10 pages, right? If you throw me into utter chaos with nothing to hold on to, uh, I'm not going to be invested in your script. Focusing it around character is usually the best way to go, but also like give me something. Give me a through line. Give me something to latch on to. If you make those first 10 pages too frustrating, that's another great way to lose a reader. General rule of thumb is about, well, just about anything with screenwriting, scenes or the story itself, but you want to enter late and exit early. So the latest that you can enter your story, that's what the audience wants to see. They don't want to know the entire, like see at least the entire backstory and every event that led to this moment. Just get to the action and then backfill exactly what you need. I think that's a good argument for why an outline before a script is really helpful, even a beat sheet, because if you just go right to draft and you're like, I, I need to establish all this stuff, all this needs to happen. And then you realize that page 10 probably could be your page one. You've done all this work now to write, to write a script or write 10 pages of a script when maybe if you write an outline or a beat sheet, you might look at it and say, oh, actually, I could probably start a little later. I need to know what's what happened before this. But if I drop the audience in at page 10, I can sort of either backfill that information or get that information across in a more interesting way than showing you all the boring cause and effects that led to 
the, the good stuff that you really want to start your movie with. I'll also say that this is a really, your first 10 pages are a necessary time to flex uh, your, your screenwriter muscles of being both concise and compelling when you introduce literally anything. When you introduce a character, when you introduce a setting, having that be short yet memorable is exactly like it's never more important than in your first 10 pages. Are there any other examples you guys can think of that we haven't gone over of a really epic first 10 pages? I mean, I was thinking about The Matrix because I, was, I, I reread those first 10 pages and it it actually starts out with a conversation we completely don't understand between two people we don't see. And over visuals we don't understand, right? Like, and the the visuals and the conversation are very compellingly written. So even though we have no idea what what they're talking about or what world we're in, we stick with it, right? But it's for like a whole, it's for a few pages that that's going on. But then it leads us into like one of the coolest like fight scenes, chase scenes of all time. And it, it establishes the boundaries of this world, like really quickly, like the way that Trinity defies physics and does this that, and the other, right? And it like, it feels like a win because she gets away at the very last second, but then it immediately goes to on to establish like, this means that our informant, the bad guys have an informant, is, is like, is real, right? And that the bad guys and the good guys have the exact same target, which is this guy, Neo, who we have no idea who it is. And that, of course... We immediately meet Neo right after that. Now that we know that everyone is after this guy, you meet him and he seems pretty ordinary and he starts getting really strange messages. I think those are a pretty perfect first 10 pages. Totally agree. Yeah, that's a pretty perfect movie. Yeah. In general. We should have a whole episode just about that movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree. That's but, like um, the movie I could just watch over and over and never oh, get sick, get sick yes. of. A hundred percent. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Untitled Female. You can connect with us there or email us at untitledfemaledrivenpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and uh, tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.